in Luke 18, our Lord is well into his three-year ministry. And he tells a parable, which I believe is extremely important. Now, in chapter 17, it tells us in verses 20, 22, that we know of two different people groups that were with Jesus as he preaches this parable in chapter 18. One was the Pharisees. And the other were his disciples. Now, if you look down chapter 18, verse 9, it says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Brethren, please keep in mind that our Lord Jesus, who was and is and forever will be God, as he walked on the earth, he knew the hearts of every one of the people listening to him. He knew that in the crowd were Pharisees. Now, he doesn't, the, the Bible doesn't just single out the Pharisees in the parable Jesus will. But notice this parable, it's very short, was given by our Lord on this day to remind certain. That word certain means particular. It wasn't the majority, but Jesus standing there knew the hearts, and, and, and let me tell you, he knew the eternal destinies of everyone listening to him. He decided to tell this parable, especially to those in the crowd who were trusting in themselves. So I want you to see as he begins the parable, I have four points. The first one, number one, the potentates, the potentates discernment in verses 9 and 10. Now the word potentate is used once in our Bible to refer to God. It's a great word. We don't use it very often. It means the supreme uncontested sovereign. And it begins with P, and all my alliterations begin with P. But notice as Jesus begins to tell this parable, he says in verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Notice again, number one, the potentate's discernment. Jesus is going to start by saying, that two men, and there were hundreds probably, that went up to the temple to pray. But on this day, Jesus is reminding the listeners and us this morning that even as you came into this church building, God knows you. He knows you certainly. He knows you individually. He knows who you are. Not who you think you may be. And I hope you will by the end of the sermon. Not what other people think of you. He knows you. He knows every man and woman this morning individually. He knows each one of us spiritually. He knows each one of us in our destinies. And on this particular day in the parable, two men are, are watched by God. The Bible says one's a Pharisee. Now, the Pharisees were not a large number of men, probably about 10,000 from what I've researched. But they were very influential. Jesus would uh, say earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, that they were religious leaders, and the word Pharisee meant separated one. And the common Jewish person, much like us, would often look at them and be wowed by how they dressed. And, and Jesus said earlier, they love to be seen of men. They love to pray in front of people and be heard. They love to, when they gave their alms and Monies. They, they like to make noise and sound trumpets when they fasted. They even would paint their faces. Jesus used the word disfigure. 
So they, as they walked through the day, people could see they were fasting. That was the Pharisees. Then there was a publican. As I move quickly, I want you to understand, a publican was a Jewish man, but he worked for the government of Rome. He collected taxes from his own people to give to Rome. And on this day, two men went up to pray. Number two, I want you to see the Pharisees' discrimination. The Pharisees' discrimination, verses 11 and 12. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. You know, it was the practice of Jewish men in the day of Jesus. The men, not women, the men would go directly up to the front doors of the temple. Women weren't allowed there. They had another courtyard behind there. They could come that close. But the men were allowed to come right up to the doors, not inside the temple, but right up to the doors. And it was common practice in this day that during the last sacrifice of the day, three o'clock <coughs> in the afternoon, Jewish men would often come to the doors of the temple and they would pray out loud. As soon as the sacrifice was finished, the altar of incense would be lit and smoke or incense would just pour out of the top of the temple roof. We're at this place. Jesus said on this day, around three in the afternoon, Lots of men would go up, but God noticed Jesus picks out two. The Pharisee noticed his posture. The Bible says he stood. The word has the idea of he stood to be seen. He was striking a pose. He was being as ostentatious as he could. He, like all Pharisees of that day, was trying to draw the attention of others. But I want you to notice as he began to pray. Notice the audience. I think this is very significant. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. It seems like Luke is telling us God was not listening. This man came to the most religious place on the planet, stood there in front of the temple of God, and he began to pray within himself. But notice his address. God, I thank thee. Do you realize this Pharisee? standing there in front of all these men, probably raising his voice in his head toward heaven, begins to thank God for making him. He gives his acknowledgments. He says in verse 11, all the things that he was not. He says, I thank thee, God. You should be congratulated, God, because you made me the way you made me. Oh, I'm not as other men are. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. And then notice, he turns and casts his eye on this one man. Now you're going to find with me as we move through the parable, this other man didn't stand in front of the doors. He didn't stand up at all and lift his voice. He was cowered over in the corner. And this Pharisee had the audacity to say, God, you should be congratulated because you made me. You know, God, I'm not like most men. And he may have looked around and known some of the other men in that crowd. But his attack was on that publican. Lord, you know, I'm not a, an extortioner. I'm not an adulterer. But Lord, you really should be thanked because you didn't make me like him. 
Then he tells God about all the wonderful things he did. Verse 12, I fast twice in the week. Do you realize, brethren, that the Jewish people were only required by the law to fast one time? One day, the Day of Atonement. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29. Any other time a Jewish man or woman would fast, it was voluntary. But on one day, just one day a year, they were required to fast. Notice what he says. God, you know, and you should be thanked. You didn't make me like all these other people, especially that guy over there. He's a publican. But God, you also know what I do. I don't just fast on the Day of Atonement. <laughs> I fast twice a week. And then he says, I give tithes of all I possess. The Jews were required to tithe on what they earned. But this man says, I am careful to tithe on everything I possess. It's interesting, in Matthew 23, at the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus, in Matthew 23, verse 23, said this, quote, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Yeah, I'm afraid there are people in our churches today that when they sit and they listen to the, the, the parable, and they listen about this Pharisee, they might go, wow, he's a pretty squared away guy. Man, I'm not sure I could live up to his righteousness. Number one, the potentate's discernment. Remember, God knew who these two men were, and he knows you. You can look and dress and talk and act any way you want. But God knows you. Number two, the Pharisee's discrimination. This, this Pharisee had no need. He never, notice he never repented of anything. He never said, Lord, I'm, I'm failing here. I'm in need. He just thanked God for making him. Number three, I want you to see in verse 13, such an opposite reaction before God. The publican's Desperation. The publican's desperation. Verse 13. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That phrase, standing afar off, has the idea he stood as far away from the crowd. He found the very corner, a place where the men weren't around. Did you notice the Bible says he would not lift up so much as eyes into heaven? Now the Pharisee stood there, lifted his voice, and, and I'm led to believe as I listen to Jesus give this parable, remember, he gave it because in his, the crowd following him were certain that trusted in themselves. And the Pharisee made, uh, like Pharisees did, made sure everybody heard about how great they were. What they didn't do and who they weren't like. This man went to the corner. The Bible says he would not even lift his head. But notice the very unusual thing he began to do to himself. The Bible said 
he smote upon his breast. The tense of that verb means he pounded and pounded and pounded and repeatedly pounded himself as he said with his head bowed. And I believe he probably, his shoulders down. I want you to see his prayer. He simply said, as he's pounding himself, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What this man was saying, as the incense went up, the Jews would offer the last sacrifice of the day on behalf of the nation and those that maybe stood in front of the temple. As the incense went up, picturing prayer going to God, this man waited until the incense was going up. He knew the, the blood had been shed before God. And he began to pound himself, saying, God, would you please let this sacrifice be for me? Would you have mercy on me? Literally, that word mercy means, would you be propitiated for me? You see, Lord, I'm a sinner. And that blood that was shed, it needs to be for me. Father, unless you will have mercy, I have no hope. I'm a nobody. I've done nothing right. Please, Father, forgive me. You know when he said, be merciful to me, a sinner. The idea was this, be merciful to me, the sinner. That's exactly what the idea is. It's as if he didn't see anyone else. He didn't hear anything else. He stood afar off, his head down. He began to pound himself and say, God, I'm the only sinner here today. That sacrifice, that, it was for me. Would you let it be for me? I am a sinner. I'm the one that needs your forgiveness and mercy. Brethren, who is the biggest sinner you know? Some of the men are sitting there go, well, my wife. Or me, ask my wife. The truth is, fellas, as much as you think you know your wife, you know your sin more. Ladies, as much as you think you might, your husband may be a sinner. You know yourself. Young person, you're here today with mom and dad, and you may think, well, I've seen, yeah, I've seen sin of my dad. I've seen sin of my mom. Oh, my sister, my brother. But teenager, who's the sinner you really know? You. When we come to the place in our life that we do not compare ourselves with others, we come to God and have you come. Was there a time in your life when you came to God? You didn't scorn other people. You didn't compare yourself with other people. But on that day that you were born again, you came to God the same way and said, God, unless you have mercy on me, I have nothing to offer you. Please, Lord, forgive me. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 2, and He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Number one, the potentate's discernment. Jesus was saying, God watched two men amongst hundreds go up that day to the temple. But he, he knew these two men. 
He knew all the men, but these two he knew perfectly. When you walked in this morning, you've sat here for the last 20, 25 minutes. Maybe others don't know what you're thinking, feeling, or the way you're living, but God does. Number two, the Pharisees' discrimination. Maybe you're here today and, and you have never come to God through Jesus Christ. You've never seen yourself the way the Bible describes you. Because you've been in the habit all your life of comparing yourself to a family member or uh, to a, a, a kinsman in, in Kingsport. Maybe some Christians at work and you say, I'm better than they are. I'm not as bad as the preacher keeps telling me. I hear this thing of the gospel, but my friend, you and you alone must come before God and see who you really are because God sees you. Number three, the publican's desperation. I remember the day I got saved. I was, it was October, Norfolk, Virginia. Um, I was a Navy brat. Dad was out to sea. I've heard the gospel my whole life. And I finally couldn't take it anymore. And at eight years of age, I climbed out of my bed, got on my knees, and I asked Jesus to save me. I remember the first words out of my mouth because I'd been under conviction for two years. I was a, a good kid, mama's boy. I, as far as I know, I never said a cuss word. But from six years of age till I got saved, I was under serious conviction. Thank God for my Sunday school teachers. Thank God for the young pastor of that little church in Norfolk. Thank God for my mother who constantly preached salvation. The first words out of my mouth when I got on my knees was, I'm sorry. Because for two years, a little boy, I'd lay in my bed, terrified at night. I, 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 I would be so upset knowing I was going to hell. And why I didn't get saved, I'm not sure, I don't know, but my sister, Sunday morning, she, she was two years younger, she was six, she walked the aisle. Now we all sat together, and I, my sister, uh, on the other side of my mother, uh, she, she went down the aisle. I leaned over and said, Mom, what is Shelly doing? She says she's going to be saved. You know my first reaction, I'm eight, I got mad. I'm the man of the house. I'm the oldest while daddy's out at sea. I'll dare her get saved. But God used my sister going forward to get saved, to push me over. And that night, that very night, I laid in bed, tormented, not by God in anger, but because of my sin. You go, how much sin did you have, Joey? That's what my mom called me, still does. God made it very clear to me through the preaching of the gospel, through my Sunday school teachers, and through my family, I was lost. And when I got on my knees, I had nothing to say to God like the Pharisee. I said, I'm sorry. And I said, God, if you'll, I know Jesus died for me and shed his blood for me. Would you save me? I need to be saved. Please come into my life. And he did. You say, was that simple? Well, if you want to call that simple, yes, it was. I want to end with number four, the parable's declaration. Remember, our Lord decided to tell this parable 
because there were certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And number four, the parable's declaration. Jesus says in verse 14, I tell you, this man, the publican, this man went down to his house. What's that next word? Do you know what that means? Jesus said, this man went home born again. This man went home righteous in Jesus Christ. This man went home saved rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. One man went home changed. One man went home chained. Thinking he deserved eternal life, but he would die and go to hell. The Bible tells all of us are born in sin. Romans 3.23, I remind you, and many of you, many of you listen to me have heard this over and over, and that's the dangerous part. Have you become like the Pharisee who says, yep, live pretty good life. I'm a member at Bible Baptist Church at blah, 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 blah. I'm not trying to cut you down. I'm just saying, how many people go to our Bible preaching, gospel preaching churches and sit there thinking because you disdain other people and you're trusting in yourself what you've done? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. You can be sure that every man, every woman in this room, in this world, someone has to pay the penalty of sin. You just don't get to heaven. Oh, man. You know, Lord, I, I was a little confused about this thing of my sin and who's going to pay for it. You're not going to talk to God like that. He's made it again aware to many people in this room. And listen, I believe there's a bunch of saved people like me in this room, but there might be someone, even again today, you're trusting in yourself that you're righteous. You compare yourself to other people that have said they're saved, but they don't live as righteous as you. You're a Pharisee. Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you realize that Pharisee could have gotten saved that day. Nowhere in the parable does Jesus say, you know what, God said, I'm not going to let you get saved. No, the man stood before the very presence of God, before the temple. It's just that he wasn't in any way interested in the righteousness that must be imputed by Jesus to a sinner. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Have you taken care of that? Do you remember the time in your life that you came before the very presence of God? Do you remember that day? Because when you came, you either came as a Pharisee or you came like this publican. God loves everyone enough to die and raise his son for everyone. But most of the world, they don't seem interested. 
we're going to have missions conference starting tomorrow, and that's why my wife and I wish we could stay a long time and eat and eat and eat with you, but we'll have to get going. Missions week, we'll be reminded again, as I am every year, that over half the world's population has still never heard one time a clear gospel presentation. And yet many of us have grown up hearing it for 40, 50 years. Before I close in prayer, and I ask pastor to come, please, you came, as it were, before the presence of God by coming to this church house. Which one are you? Are you one of them that trusted in themselves that they're righteous? Or are you like the publican who cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm glad Jesus said, you know which one of these men went home saved, justified before God? That publican. Jesus doesn't say anything else about the Pharisee. See, that's the scary part. He just went home chained. The same way he was when he stood at the temple. And he'll come back the next day. And the next day, he'll have his religion. He'll have his appearance. But he'll go to hell. Which one are you?